Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 20% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP10. This week on TWIP, Canon announces the EOS 1DX, Olympus fires its CEO, and Lytro announces its new hardware. It's Wednesday, October 19th, 2011, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me today on the show are Mr. Martin Bailey Silarina and Alex Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hey, ho, hey. Frederick. Um, Alex. It's good to have you. So we got we got to go through the do the round table here, starting with Martin. Martin, this is uh, this is you're you're new to this week in photo as a host. What's uh, what's what's going on? And introduce yourself to the world of this week in photo. Well, hey Frederick and uh, Alex and Sil, it's great to be on the show. I um I I've actually you know asking what I've been doing. I've actually just finished up a a book for Craft and Vision. Um, mm. So it, I can't tell you what it's about yet. <laughs> because um, you can't tell us or because you don't know? <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm, I've, actually, I've been working on it for the last six weeks, so it's, uh, it's still pretty fresh in my mind. But I, um, you know, the, the word is, is that I can say that I've written it, but I can't say what it's about until it's sort of all finished. We've, we've just moved to the copy and edit phase. So Very cool. I'm re- really excited about that. It's awesome. great what they're doing over there. And Martin, just just for a little background on you, you're a photographer. You're based in Japan, obviously from your Japanese accent, and you uh, <laughs> you 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 also run a very popular podcast. What's the name of your podcast? It's the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. So nice there you and, go. There nice you go. Unique name there. Occam's Razor. You know, keep it keep it straightforward. <laughs> yeah. All right, and also on the show, you heard him chuckling back there, Mister Sill Arena from Paso Robles. Hey, Sill. Hey, Frederick. Hey, hey, hey. You? And it's good to talk to Martin. Actually, Martin was kind enough to uh, interview me when my book came out last winter. So I tried to get him to call yeah. it the Silarina podcast by Martin Bailey, but he wasn't going for it. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a limit on how many characters you can have. <laughs> yeah. But still, you're, you're fresh on, literally fresh on the heels of a workshop, right? You oh, like uh, beat feet back home to, to record with us, right? Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, this is October and, and November is a pretty cool workshop season for me this year. Um, I did uh, intensive weekend intensives in LA and San Francisco, and then this week in Paso Robles, I have my annual—I guess it's biannual. I do it in the spring and fall. Uh, my advanced speed lighting workshop here in town, and uh, the students this week are fabulous, and they're doing crazy things. But they're trying to get me to rename the workshop because we go out. Paso's a wine town, so we got all these incredible places to eat, and. Um, they're like, man, you should just like say this is like food with sill and a little <laughs> bit of speed lighting over food with sill. There you um, go. But anyway, yeah, we're in the midst of this incredible, incredible workshop. Um, and we've got some new gear that Westcott sent us, and I'm going to be talking about that later in the show. And I'll tell you something crazy. Um, 
This week also was kind of monumental because my speed lighting video debuted on Kelby Training, hmm. but also literally on the same day, I got the Chinese translation of the Speedlighter's Handbook FedExed in from Beijing. That's awesome. So <laughs> I have no idea what it says. Did they send it to you to copyright, or what was the? Yeah, yeah, you know, no, no. Actually, I found it on I found it on Amazon.cn. I think it. I think that's anyway. And uh, so it was pretty exciting to hit Kelby Training and Amazon and in China. Still, so you're all over the world. So I'm all over, and then you know I get to go to Dubai in a couple of weeks. So I'm really excited about that. Everybody's going to Dubai except me. I hate that. Speaking of people who travel all over <laughs> yeah. the world and go to places that I lust after, Alex Lindsay is also on the show. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Hey. All right. What What have you been up to? It's been a while since you we've heard the sultry tones of the Lindsay on Twip. What, <laughs> what, what, what have you been up to in the past couple of weeks or so? Oh, I... Um it's, I, I, it seems like it always seems like a century ago. We uh, we <laughs> we've been shooting a, a, a ton of live streams. Uh, we do we do a lot of that. So, and then um, and we did a congressional debate in our office, <laughs> which was kind of cool. Nice uh, for the for the second uh, for uh, District Two here in California. And um, and then I you know I was in D.C. Uh, meeting with some Pixel members, and I also was speaking to um, about five D video footage to some government folks and. Um, and then, uh, you know, then I've been back. We've been getting ready for our fall production process. And we, we just are finishing just an incredible uh, class with Brent Bai. You know Brent. Do you know Brent? Uh, I don't know Brent. Uh, Brent Bai is just an incredible, uh, you know, cameraman, gaffer, grip, you know. And so we've been doing this kind of set skills uh, course for the last uh, three days. And it's it turned out really, really well. And so the, thing, the place has been crazy over the last uh, three days and now we're getting ready for some more production but that's pretty much it just more production and training work 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 hey i, I hear that you had a, a friend of mine on mac break weekly mac os ken he's a big ken ray right he's great i love yeah, he was ken on, he is was my on, hero man he is my hero he is awesome and yeah it was great to have him on uh, mac break just this last uh, this last tuesday yeah that's awesome fantastic very cool. All right, quick update before we jump into the stories of the week. Last week, we talked about um, the Photo Jojo founder, Amit Gupta, and his battle with leukemia. And one of our astute listeners commented on that mention and pointed out a couple of things that us that we didn't know about um, what the different procedures around getting tested for becoming a bone marrow donor. went into quite a bit of detail on the This Week in Photo forum post, so be sure to check that out um, just for some detail on that and the background about what's going on with Amit and all that. All right, uh, first things first, Canon. <laughs> Drop the bomb. <laughs> one of them. Can, can, I, don't, I don't think this is the only one. Well, they, well this is a big one, though. This, this is, is the, a big one. The, this is the... What, all right, who, who's, a canon, who's a canon guy in the crowd here? Raise your hands, Martin. Martin, Martin, you're you're yeah. the big Canon guy right here, right? All right, what? Yeah, I, I know you, you. Have you pre-ordered this, Martin? I've got two on order. <laughs> you, are you serious? Two of them? <laughs> so here's the thing, though. I it's whether I buy both. I'll buy at least one, but whether I buy both will depend on well the price that they've already given the price in All right, dollars. Well, well, people are like, what is it? What 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 are we talking about here? What did Canon I announce? I think it was six thousand uh, six thousand eight hundred US. Um, no, I what think. is the what is the thing that Canon announced though? Oh, the one D X. Yes, it's uh, it's pretty. Yeah, so I, it'll depend really on whether, on how much I can get for my my current one DS and one D as well. Um, so I 
but I, I'm all over this thing. It's it's what, okay. What, why did you give us give us a rundown of the specs that made you push that buy now button? The X. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the X. Besides um, the X, you know, <laughs> it's they, just well, the X. Where can you go from X? <laughs> X one. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, what the the thing is, what the X means is they're saying there's a number of um, different reasons why they've named it X, but one of them is that it's a crossover between the the 1DS and the 1D, uh, you know, the, the two 1 series bodies. And traditionally, the, the 1D has been a, a 1.3 crop, crop factor camera. And that's good for, you know, wildlife and sports and things where you get a little bit of extra boost on your, on your lenses. But the, the amazing thing that they've done is they've managed to go full frame with that. I love that. I love full frame. I, I, you know, I, although I use... I do do a lot of wildlife work. I I just really like the full frame, the feel of looking through a full frame and the way the lenses work on it and everything. Yep. And um, so what they've done, though, is while making it full frame, they've managed to increase the um, the FPS, the frames per second, is now 12 um, and even up to 14 frames per second if you're if you're in a super high speed mode. Um, and at the same time, they've they've increased the megapixels by two megapixels it's gone from 16 to 18 it is a drop from the full full frame 1ds that comes down three megapixels but i can live with that for the other benefits yeah um and it's just you know i mean the thing can see in the dark they've they've basically um if if everything that canon is saying is true and, and we're starting to see exactly you know some sample photos coming out as well so we'll be able to check this soon but if everything they say is true this thing you know the high iso um and really low noise apparently so they everything everything seems to be going for this camera and they've got an ethernet um port right there a gigabit ethernet port right there on the camera built into the camera itself yeah yeah i mean so you can order coffee while you're shooting (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is i I don't know why do you need an ethernet point why not just build wi-fi into the camera what what's i don't get it the the speed for one i mean wi-fi is going to be it's it's always going to be buffering and trying to get get stuff across the airwaves, but with gigabit Ethernet, you know, sure. I'm not sure if you'll be able to actually shoot tethered with it. I'm I'm hoping that you can, um, but you know, the, if you can, if you can shoot and have an Ethernet cable sending it straight back to a, a a PC or even to a you know, I can imagine that there'll be applications at sports. You know, when a lot of the the guys that shoot like the ball games and things they're, they're shooting and they're having to to get whip the cards out and get them over to mm-hmm. an assistant to get back to a press office straight away and if they can be all wired up of course i mean you can imagine that if there's a, a whole bunch of photographers on the <laughs> sideline cables and sneaking all, all over the place. yeah they've all got cables everywhere that's going to cause problems but it yeah i mean this thing it's just it's a bit of a monster really wow. there's, there's a number of other like like removing the sdhc card slot is another you know stroke of genius that Actually, I mean, it was a stroke. Wait, they stupid. removed it, did you say? What they did, they used to have one CF card and one SDHC card slot. And I could never figure out why. I mean, it was, it was probably just space or whatever, but what, I could never see the point of having two, two different types of card slots in the one series bodies. So yeah. now we've just got two CF slots, which is great. Yeah, like Nikon. I mean, yeah, that's good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Still, yeah. are you are you oh are you God. dropping twelve grand right oh now to get God. you a couple well, of minutes? I, I'm sha- I, let's put this way. I, I like rifled through the sofa this morning. I got forty eight cents, and <laughs> you can that's put it on layaway. 
Um, no, I tell you what, it's. Um, I was up night before last, and I happened to catch a couple of tweets coming across, and somebody was saying, "Hey, you know, it's almost end of business in Japan, and and this is usually when Canon makes the announcements." Blah blah blah. Standby. So I like stayed up, and I watched this roll across the internet. Um, I, I'm totally stoked about this camera, and uh, I tell you why, because I have long said I don't want more megapixels. I want better pixels, mm -hmm. and I've been a 5D Mark II addict. I've been, I was a 5D addict for years. I've been a 5D Mark II addict since it's launched. Um, but I think this camera is a bold and wise move by Canon because finally in the 1D line, we've got full sensor, um, so we've got that shallow depth of field. This camera's got dual Digic 5 processors, mm -hmm. um, so it's going to rip through the data, and there's a whole... You know, I, I'm basically a still shooter that's doing a bit of motion, but man, the guys who shoot motion are drooling over this camera as much as all the still shooters. And I'll tell you what, there's no surprise about the timing of the announcement or the release. This is an Olympic year, and, mm. you know, the track record has been that there's always a press-ready camera launched in front of the Olympics. So I don't doubt that, you know, like that gigabit, you know, those are for the guys who are shooting, in, and we're going to see, like, instantaneous... Sports Illustrated covers coming across the web out of London next summer. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to try to get my hands on this one. I may have to sell a kidney or something to make that happen. But <laughs> you just um, sell some of your hair for a wig or something. That's so you'll right. be good. I'll just I'll just license out some of my hair. But, Alex, uh, are no, you I'm, are you planning on outfitting the the, the Pixel Core with a, with a squadron of these things? I'm looking at it. I mean, I think that they've made a bunch of you know we use these cameras probably we use a, we shoot a lot of stills with them, but of course we use them use them a lot for video as well. And I think one of the things they've done really well is they've you know added a lot of the video um, uh, features that we that we would want to see. The movie resolutions of being 1920 by 1080, 1280 by 720. Don't really care about the 640 by 480. The um, uh, the other thing that they've done is they're now introducing uh, segmenting files and so of course now if you're recording and you run over the four gig limit it's just going to roll over to another another uh create a new file oh cool is, what would do before right just stop stop recording stop recording just stop recording yeah. and, and let me tell you how annoying that is anyway so um because <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's a it's four gigs it's not exactly a certain time so some sometime between 11 minutes and 14 minutes it's going to turn off yeah. you know and and uh so you usually just stop and uh, as long as you're shooting small rolls and things like that, it's fine. But, but you get into this um, situation where you know there's a lot of when you, especially a lot of us use them for interviews. We do tons of interviews uh, with the five Ds. You know, a lot of our clients just love the look. Mm -hmm. They're shallow depth and, uh, of field. Yeah. It is amazing. I mean, it just like instant looks great kind of look, classic look. And so, and they just really like that super short depth of field. And so, uh, and sometimes too dip, too short. But anyway, but the the point is, is that they uh, they've really done some stuff that that, have, that has improved that. I, I you know, I, I think this is still going to be more of a ph photographer's um, uh, camera. Uh, and and really, the thing that Canon has to it has paid attention to, I think, better than Nikon. Is that, uh, or more effectively, is that there is an, there's a big issue that um, still photographers have to be able to shoot video. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to shoot good video. If you're going to be a photographer that's out there uh, doing, uh, you know, photojournalism, you're going to be if they're going to be sending, you know, sending you out. We've talked about this in the past. There's been magazines that have collected all the photographers and said, if we're going to pay to fly you all over the place, we expect you to bring back video too. You know, you know, yeah. and, and that is something that is. Um, you know, you, so you have to have very, very strong video capabilities. Now, I, there is another announcement from Canon coming November 3rd, 
Um, and most of us think that this is going to be a video camera, um, possibly even uh, based on a similar or even the same sensor uh, that is um, that's really driven straight at the video market for a little bit more money, not a lot more, uh, but it is really aimed. It has all the features and has all the setups and everything else that's really a, more of a video uh, structure. So, so this this will be the camera. This this uh, this EOS One D X will be the camera for photographers that dabble in video, and the other one will be for video guys that dabble in still. Well, I, I don't think it's. I, don't, I think the other one is not designed for video guys doing still. I think it's just designed for video guys. I, I think mm-hmm. that the the video guys are interested in still a lot less than the still guys are interested in video. You know, and so, uh, and I think that the the age of video guys like buying uh, still cameras to do their video is kind of coming near an end. You're still going to have the crossover camera. This is a great example of that. But you're now having between the um, the uh, the AF100 that Panasonic makes. I think it's the NX100 uh, that, that Sony makes, the F3 that Sony makes. These are all in the six to you know six thousand to fifteen thousand dollar range, or, or or so, or thirteen thousand dollar range. We expect to see Canon between a ten and twelve thousand dollar range when they release um, this video camera. That's the that's the rumor, the scuttlebutt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that range, uh, being able to, and then of course you have the Scarlet, which has really driven a lot of this. The 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 uh, uh, Red, of course, should be shipping the Scarlet in early. Um, and that really is that crossover of still and video. Is that one really coming though? I mean, if, yeah. it, it feels like we've been waiting for that one for what rumor years is, rumor, now. I feel like like wimpy. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a sensor today. <laughs> November <laughs> November fourth uh, is the rumor, but um, but sometime in November they should start shipping the Scarlets. The Epic okay. is already shipping. We have an Epic in the office right now. <laughs> so are you so using the, are you using the Epic in production or is it just kind of uh, sitting on a pedestal? We will be on Friday. Um, so um, yeah, we're we're shooting some stuff on Friday. Brian Scabelli, who is actually. The owner of the Epic, he has actually three of them, uh, he's visiting. And so he was part of this great class. We had his Epic kind of uh, pressed into um, being on, the, on, the, on our Fisher Dolly and everything else today. And uh, it looks gorgeous. I mean, it's such a huge upgrade from the red. And, uh, and it was just, it really was a great, great experience. And then we're going to be showing it a little bit tomorrow on, our, or on Thursday uh, on our live feed. And uh, and shooting a little bit more with it tomorrow, and then on Friday and Saturday we're shooting at a winery. And um, so the yeah, Epic is shoot Epic is shipping, it's doing well. We expect to see the Scarlet uh, in November uh, shipping, and uh, and so and, and these two cameras, the Epic and the Scarlet, are really the impetus that has been pressing all these companies to find a solution. Because if they don't, they know that Red will you know, have their lunch if they don't. Yeah. They don't eat it soon. So what? What is all? I mean, we're talking. We're talking four figures and five figures here for this gear that we've been yakking about. What? What about for the person that has like you know a smaller budget, like two or three grand or or below for a camera upgrade? You know, maybe the guy that's going from I don't know, like me, from a from a D three and is going to upgrade. Has Canon introduced or have they been talking about anything that's like sub two thousand dollars? Well, I mean, you have the the seventy. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I haven't heard of any upgrades yet. The 7D is a very, very capable uh, video slash still camera. And so it's, you know, it has a lot of, uh, um, you know, it's a very, very it's good It's the workhorse, camera. right? It's a workhorse. It's got, it has better video capabilities than the 5D, though I will say uh, we had two 70s, um, and, uh, and we have now just, we, have two, we had two 70s and two 5Ds, and then we kind of moved most, most of our production to the 5D, mostly because on some of our larger, you know, some of our longer lenses, it was easier to get the short up the field, and also the um, the the big reason is that the low light performance on the 7D is really not comparable to the 5D in our opinion. So it really starts to break down much faster than the 5D, and we really like the ability to be really worrying more about the quality of light than quantity of light mm-hmm. with the 5D. 
Yeah. We have more trouble with the 5D of just getting too too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too much light. You know, so we always have to have we have to have uh, ND filters all the time to to, you know, to deal with that. You know, cuz you're, you know, you're used to as a photographer being able to set it to 1 2 200th or 1/400th of a second when you're shooting video, it's all 1/50th of a second. So, you know, you're huh. just kind of you in, in this zone of how do we, you know, manage that. So. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, hey Frederick. Yeah, go ahead, so. Really really quick. Have you guys talked about um Canon's announcement of their professional tech center that they opened in Hollywood? No, we haven't. What's the no. deal? So so last week Canon um pulled the curtains off of um their Pro Tech and Support Center in Hollywood and let me tell you, um I I think this totally um foretells Canon's commitment to the future in terms of making their gear mainstream, um, not video, you know, news kind of equipment, but actual movie-making equipment. Well, and, um, and, and the rumor is, is that's, it, that, that facility is connected to the November 3rd. Oh, abs- absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so they've opened up an office. I haven't been down to see it, but um, I'm certainly going to try to sneak in on my next trip down to L.A., but it's in the Sunset Growers um, Studio Complex, which houses, um, among other things, Technicolors, Hollywood offices, um, you know Dexter all kinds, of, yeah. all kinds of production offices for TV and movies. It's a part of a 14-acre complex, literally right in the heart of Hollywood. It's an and, amazing complex, it's, and I, I think it's, I think it's a huge move on Canon's part. So, you know, as a Canonista, it's like, God, I'm, I'm really excited to finally wave my flag and say I'm a Canonista. Yeah, I'm sneaking into the shadows here. I just use Canon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah, lots of lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff. I mean, the the other thing that was announced just today was, you know, a couple of weeks ago or about a month or so ago, maybe a little bit more, we were talking about the Lytro light field camera. And I interviewed uh, the two of the, the or their lead photographer and one of the founders um, about that camera, and they were sort of going into the technology behind and physics behind how this device captures a field of light rather than just one plane of light like today's cameras do. Well, they announced that they're going to be shipping it, and they did a press conference today, and they're taking pre-orders now. Um, Alex, have you have you had a chance to to keep up with what they're doing? I've definitely pay, been, you know, paying attention to what they're doing. I haven't gotten a chance to play with one yet. If they want to send us one for testing, you know, of course, I'm trying. I'm working it. I'm trying to get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We would love to talk about it. Um, no, anyway, but the, uh, you know, it's a very interesting thing of being able to capture, you know, everything that's going on in the scene, uh, and basically you're looking at being able to add focus later, uh, in, in you know, HDR in its purest sense, you know theoretically as a step towards letting you light things later uh, there's a lot of other technologies people are working on in that area as well and it definitely points to a future i mean this is this is a very you know uh basic first step uh towards a, a point five or ten years from now that most likely you're going to be your camera is going to be capturing a scene of information that you can decide to auto, you have an auto process like a film camera or like a camera, the traditional camera, but it may be grabbing so much lighting and so much depth information that you can really, you know, relight, re, you know, uh, you know, change all the intensities, do all of the other things that you, that you might want to do in post, you know, which is kind of a scary, it kind of, kind of twists your head inside out when you think about it, but it's, I mean, we're definitely moving very quickly that direction. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know, Sil. Sil, do you need to focus later, or or you know, are you okay? I've, I've said it many times. Focus is highly overrated. I know. If it's not in focus, I, it's know, art. Come, come on. on. I mean, focus, smokus. Um, no, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Lytro site right now, and I, I, you know, I mean, you look at I mean, even in the history of photography, you look back at like what George Eastman did with the Kodak way back when, 
and really just brought picture making out to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a workshop instructor, boy, I'm really happy that all these digital cameras are so complicated because people can go to Costco and Walmart and buy a camera that makes them want to take a workshop now with all the features on it. <laughs> and I think, you know, Lytro and others are doing some really interesting things with technology that, sure, you know, a few years down the road, this is going to kind of become mainstream um, in terms of saying, all right, well, hey, where do I want to focus? Where do I want to light? Um, so, you know, I'm certainly interested in all of these developments. And yeah. I think it's a portent of what what's going to happen with consumer photography in the future. Um, you know, but I'll still go back to my old mantra. You know, I choose to be a photographer and not a retoucher. I don't want to spend tons of time right. on my computer thinking about, oh, yeah, later, I want. how do I want to light this? How do I want to focus? Well, yeah, it's good to have this. Isn't that... It's good to have the tool in in your your tool belt to be able to, to go back to it if you need it. But I hear what you're saying, so not to not to rely on the technology, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Is, isn't that isn't that the big the this crazy drive of the Instagram? You know, the the thing is, is it, it's going to beat it up and it's going to you know commit it to that's what it's going to look like. You know, when you're especially if you're shooting inside of that, I think there's something that people, you know, with all this control, they kind of don't they kind of want to just have it be the way it is. Though this is the way. You know the camera saw it. Yeah, Martin. What about you? Are you uh, if if Canon comes out with a Lytro powered EOS one D X fifteen, it'll fit in the hot <laughs> shoe. <laughs> are you are you gonna have two of those sitting in the uh, in the shopping cart? Um, no. <laughs> I I think that the you know it, it is an amazing idea. The and if they bring it to well when they bring it to market, it's going to be very interesting to see how it really works. Um, as a photographer, you know, I, mean, I I pride myself on the ability to get sharp shots of of moving objects or you know like birds, and you've got to you, you've got to sort of still try to get the eye sharp on a bird that's got a wingspan two meters. And we spend a lot of time on that sort of stuff on my on my workshops. And so, like you know, kind of like Sil, it's it's part of my business at the moment to be able to help people to get sharp focus. And if if anyone can. <laughs> can just sort of waft the camera around and then go back later and and pick out and just focus on the eyes then it kind of takes the fun out of things but i mean it's you know, it's pro- progress everything you know things are going to change they, they, everything changes I mean, like they say the only constant is change so we have to we have to live with this stuff and and learn to embrace it and you know i, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what starts to happen with this this technology yeah well alex they're they're actually shipping physical cameras it looks like in 2012 and taking pre-orders now is, is do you think the the physical cameras that they're shipping are kind of a proof of concept for the world and with the ultimate goal of just licensing the technology onto nikon canon and you know other guys I don't know. I, you know, I think that I think that when you look at the, when you look at the form factor, it's probably something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a very you know scientific form factor. It's kind of an odd looking uh, little beast, uh, but it is really good for things like uh, one of the things that we're talking about. I have to admit is getting two of them um, mm-hmm. to do stereo. Now they say you can do some three D in it, but we kind of are really interested in the idea of taking two of them, and because they're so small, you can just stick them right next to each other. And um, be able to you know, have some fun with it. So we, we're kind of interested in playing around with some ideas, you know, related to that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, is lots of cool stuff. It's exciting. All this we've got, we've got Apple coming out with all their interesting things, which you know we we saw last week. Alex, I know you were in line, or you sent someone to wait in line to get your phone, right? I went by my. I went myself this time. You what? I, I, what? I went. I went myself. I didn't send. Anybody. You might get a callus. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> 
No, it was. Jeez. Jeez. Anyway, so the uh, yeah the um uh I did not go in the morning. Did not wait in the long line. I I um. I did. I did call the Apple Store in Santa Rosa. You know, that, that's our local Apple Store, at like six o'clock in the evening. And um, and Kevin Hansen, one of the guys I work with here, and I decided we were going to go over. And when we got over there, there was still a line of like ten people, but there were plenty of phones available. Cool. So we waited a couple minutes and picked one up. And have you have you have you had a chance to play with the it. with the camera on it yet? Yes. What yes. do you think? It is amazing. It is. <laughs> it is amazing to have a phone that is. Uh, on my cell phone that shoots images like that. And um, what about the video side of it? I'm curious to, to know what you think about the that. Image, the image stabilization is pretty amazing. Nice. You know, so I've just started to play with that. And it's, it is, you know, it's one of those things that you don't think much about it until you suddenly have it. I mean, you have it in a lot of your uh, handy cams, you know, so you just, you're kind of used to everything being nice and stable. Uh, but it, it, it does a great job of uh, stabilization. And uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you, you realize that a lot of these compact uh, cameras have to find things like what, what um, Lytro's doing because they're going to have to stay. They still have to find some reason to buy another thing that you're going to put in your pocket other than your iPhone you know, or your Android. I have, I'm working on a, a bunch of pieces related to cell phone um, you know, mobile photography. And so I have an Android uh, Galaxy 2S as well as an iPhone 4S. And um, uh, and so I've been kind of comparing them back and forth. Uh, I think the color and I did a second round of tests. The first round of tests, I found that the the, the Galaxy 2S was just a touch sharper than the 4S huh. uh, over the weekend. And then I started doing some color tests, and I have to say that I think the color and some of the low light performance on the 4S is better than the Galaxy. So so we're kind of going back. You know, we're kind of playing around with a lot of that right now. That's cool. Um, but but I think that these, you know, it, it, both of those cameras, both the Galaxy 2S, which is a great camera, as well as the 4S. Uh, just put so much pressure on companies like Olympus and and Canon and a lot of these other companies uh, to they got to perform and they got to find something that makes them special. I think what Casio does with high speed makes theirs interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. People making ones that are waterproof. Uh, you got to find some reason, some specialty reason to, to to buy a camera because it just doesn't make sense as just an all around thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was looking. You know, speaking of like Lytro and. And, uh, you know, those kind of technologies that are sitting there perhaps waiting to be licensed. And then I was looking at a story about Apple and how they have, what, 80 billion or is it 800 billion? I don't know. Some ridiculous number, some ridiculous amount of money sitting in the bank that they could buy and do acquisitions with. And yesterday they were saying, yeah, we're not really averse to doing acquisitions. We're just going to make them where they make sense. Wouldn't it yeah. make sense for them to own the photography market now? <laughs> yeah, well, and that's pretty much it. I mean, they can just go, yeah, we're going to buy that sensor. You know, yeah. we're going to buy that whole company. And, and that, you know, that, that's an incredible, I mean, Apple has, you know, the, just an incredible amount of money that they can just kind of throw at problems if, if they want to. They haven't needed to. They've been able to mm-hmm. kind of progress uh, slowly. But if they needed to get really competitive, they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and watch out. Watch out. I still think slide an iPhone into a camera. I think people should think about that. There you go. I, I'm with you. I need that. I'll be in line. Yeah. All right. Next story up is speaking of companies like you know camera companies, Olympus. <laughs> Olympus, according to our friends over at Petapixel, have pulled a Yahoo and fired their CEO. <laughs> so um, is that what it's called now? It's pulling a Yahoo. It's I'm calling it pulling a Yahoo. Going, going postal, and then there's pulling a Yahoo. Well, I'm going to call it, well, I mean, Apple fired, or Apple fired Steve way back when, you know, and Yahoo fired their CEO. So, and now Olympus has fired its CEO, Michael Woodford. Um, I guess it was either today or yesterday. 
and it uh yeah basically they were saying it's a japanese company and they were saying that he was not able to understand what was needed uh to reflect the management style that they well, put it, in place 92 years like, ago it sounded like though when i read it it was funny because it sounds like they they hired an outsider to do what they couldn't do and then when he started to do it they thought that <laughs> they that say, really hey hurt. this is not what we do <laughs> <laughs> you're dead oh to us walk away <laughs> when, you, when you see reports like that if that's accurate when you see those reports you just go okay that company's dead yeah you know because it, it knows it wants to change and when and then it brings someone into an agent of change and then it just and then it's too frightened now martin martin bailey you are smack dab in japan right now and you've had right. some experience working with japanese companies what do you make of this uh, i think that it was i think that what alex just said is part of that is is exactly, I mean, that's what I was thinking, you know, why hire a guy for his cultural differences and then fire him because he can't assimilate to the Japanese culture? It, it's totally screwed up. But I think, you know, having worked in Japanese companies for, what, 16 of the last 20 years, um, I I can relate to this, you know, in a, there are cultural nuances to Japan. It, it probably took me 10 years. It took me like four years to get used to speaking and reading and writing Japanese, but, that, but the, the cultural nuances take a lot longer. It took me a good 10 years or so, especially in a business environment. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's like one of the things that they, that they mention is that they, they weren't happy that he um, was giving direct orders to people's team, you know, other people's teams. Um, where they'd, they'd rather him go through that, the heads of those teams. And, and I, I used to manage managers in my old job before I, I took it all in to become a photographer full-time. Um, and they can get a little bit sort of touchy about that. A couple of my managers, if I go and ask someone to do something directly, they'd come running in saying, don't ask my team to do stuff directly. You, know, I, you need to come through me. And part of it is, is just a pride thing. They feel that it's like undermining their authority. But yeah. uh, I mean, there, there are practical reasons as well. You know, these guys like to keep a, a good sort of tab on what their team are doing and how much time they should have free. And, and so, you know, if you go in and, and drop a few other tasks on their plate and they, they don't, the, the, the team members don't run into their bosses and say, oh, you know, Martin just asked me to do this and so I need an extra day. They, they just do it. And so there, there are practical reasons as well. But, I mean, it, it just seems totally counterintuitive to, to bring someone on board for his cultural differences and then, and then fire, <laughs> fire him because, because of his cultural differences. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, is this, is this the year that we're going to see all these, these once bright stars go supernova? Because we're looking at Olympus doing, you know, they're in trouble. And we're looking at uh, what Kodak is also, you know, it looks, looks like they may file bankruptcy. So is this kind of a coalescing of the market over 2012, 2013? What do you think? We're definitely getting to that edge. I mean, we're definitely, you know, where this can't last forever. You know, it's, it, it is a quickly contracting market. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to get smaller and smaller. Who's, who's going to be the last man standing? Just uh, Nikon and Canon or Nikon and as Sony. a division of Canon? And Sony. And Sony. <laughs> and Sony. Oh, right. Yeah. And Sony. Right. Because, you know, you know, Frederick, here's what I think. I think the company that figures out, I mean, truly, the, comp- the first Japanese company that appleizes I can make up a word. Um, cameras. You can call it caramelizes. We'll just no, use no, 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 no. It's <laughs> it's totally the appleification of. I mean, bring a user interface to a speedlight, Nikon, Canon, Sony, whatever. Bring a user interface to a speedlight or a camera that the layman can understand. That's what George Eastman did with his brownie box cameras a thousand years ago. Yeah. And um, I truly believe that. Innovation in the camera industry, yeah, Canon's running down the movie-making mode, and I totally get that. 
Um, Nikon's probably for the first time in many years sorting out, gosh, what are we really going to be really good at? Um, Sony is doing some really interesting things with their hybrid cameras. And, you know, I've, I've been on before with Tristan and, um, and I've looked at those cameras and it's like, yeah, you know, the, so the first cam camera company, whether it's one of the mainstream guys or an outsider that makes the user interface understandable, because mm -hmm. most people just want to make good pictures. They don't want to learn all the well, stuff about photography. And one of the things that I, I, I still think, I mean, I know I keep on banging on this, on this drum and we, people who listen to Twip, everyone's going to roll their eyes, but... I you know I, I I just think that that some of these camera manufacturers they're not really they're not really good at interface, you know that I know that they think they are but the little rolling thing and the LCD thing that is very nineteen like nineties mm -hmm. you know and and the thing is is that they don't need to get good at that what they need to do the first company that builds something that's dedicated to being run like it has an interface but we didn't work a lot on it we built an an SDK and an API that people can write to that can control our camera. And one of the things that you can control our camera with is an iPhone. And there are, you know, if you build a great sensor with, a, with you know, and the, it can take Canon lenses or whatever you want to, you know, Sigma lenses. Sigma is the company, in my opinion, that should do this. Take, it takes Sigma lenses. It's got a great Foveon sensor. And you can slide your iPhone into it or maybe you just attach it to the back of it or whatever you want to do. But the point is, is you, you can allow iApp developers to develop interfaces to run your camera mm -hmm. and let the market, suddenly you have specialty apps that are just running your camera and you have, and you don't make them learn some new way to do it. You have lots and lots, there's three, what is it, 300,000 um, applications on, on the app. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you just build, if, if you just build an SDK, then you could run it via Android or the iPhone. Doesn't matter. Which the point is is that your 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 camera can be run from the phone. These interfaces are so much more advanced than what we're seeing on these cameras. And these manufacturers, not only are they not good at doing it, they shouldn't try to get good at it. Yeah. What they should do is just let us control your camera with our phone. You know. And the thing is, is that I would drop. I mean, I love Canon. But if Sigma came out with with something that I could totally control and buy applications on my iPhone, I would drop Canon so so fast that you know they wouldn't even feel. The, <laughs> you know, I mean, they 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 they'd be hitting the ground before they knew it. I mean, I, I just <laughs> yeah. have, you know the thing is, I I just I'm so frustrated with these interfaces. Yeah. You know, and hey, I you know and it, you know, hey Alex, let me give you a real world example of where that's happening. Are you familiar with Red Rock Micro's micro remote follow focus device? Oh, it's awesome. It's, awesome. it's exactly what you're talking about. You what is that? What is that? Tell me what touch in there. Yeah. And it's a follow focus device for guys who shoot motion. And um, it's incredible, you, literally. And the cool thing about it is, you know, you kind of buy an, uh, you know, a second or third generation iPod touch for really cheap right. and slide it in it. here and get that user interface. But I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that anything the camera manufacturers can do to make it easier and more visual for the user to interface with that gear it'll that, that's the company that's going to run away with the market yeah and, and even if you could just even if you just I, I, you know even if it's all it is is a USB uh, uh, the USB connection on the camera just having full access to the camera you know that would be a start <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it just it just it's just like you know but every time i look at these interfaces i'm just like you know and the problem is that's why people more and more people are using their iphone i mean iphone now is number one in Flickr because it's easy to use 
Martin, Martin Bailey, what, what do you think? I mean, why are we at this point right now, even with these new newfangled cannons coming out and Nikon, all this cool hardware out there, why, why do you think user interfaces have lagged behind for so many years? I, I think it's, it's partly because the, you know, the, the cameras that the, an, an SLR is something that your general sort of person that just, like Sil said, people just want to get good photos. Mm-hmm. You know, my mum isn't going to run out and buy an SLR. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even the most cheap, you know, even the, the, the bottom of the, of the range, she, she's going to buy, I mean, she used to have like an, an APS size film camera. It just throw it in. She didn't even want to wind film. You know, she just wanted to drop in a cartridge and that was it. <laughs> and so it, it's like, it's all about just making things simple. And I think that the, I personally enjoy the the feel. I mean, I, I have no um, problems at all with using my cameras, but but it's because I've been using them for 20 years. And, it, you know, the, the, the real money in a, in the, is in the lower end where, you know, people buy in a one, two, three hundred dollar point and shoot. And, and re- I mean, these days we're talking a hundred dollars max, and so they they really do need to improve on that end of the market. They just make needs to make it. I mean, I I was I went for a, a walk a few I think last week um, with my wife, and it was the first time in like ten years that I didn't take a, a rucksack full of camera gear. I took my S ninety five, and I was struggling like hell to get into macro mode and actually be able to focus at closer than ten centimeters. And I managed to do it one time got a really nice photo of a leaf on a on a shrine wall and then i couldn't do it again and and i was searching through the menus and all this you know it's like i'm a professional photographer <laughs> and, I, and, I, and i cannot get my point and shoot into macro mode i mean i need to go back and look at the manual again but yeah. it's just it's just not intuitive and so you know if if it was just no brainers for being able to do that sort of thing on the on the lower end it it would no they'd run it's like Alex Alex said as well they'd run away with the market yeah yeah you're absolutely right I mean it's something as complex as a digital SLR with as many variables floating around in there it, the user interface is the key and it should you know, in my opinion like Alex was saying it should have different modes right I mean it should have a novice mode where the screen configures itself with like okay I want to do a portrait boom hit this button now it's in portrait mode or if I'm in Martin Bailey mode and I want to do something more advanced I should be able to see every control that's available to me on the same camera and you know it's just it's crazy why we can't do that right now so do you you need that kind of flexibility on there or do you are you one of those I just use f-stops and shutter speeds and ISOs I don't need anything else I just put it in green box I don't know anything about the rest of that stuff (laughs) You know? No, I mean, I, I, I'll say this. I think in the future, you know, being a pro shooter means you understand how to create shallow depth of field. Because um, one of the things nobody really understands in this consumer world and, um, is, you know, all these cameras that consumers use have really small sensors. And the physics of that sensor is just implicit that they're going to have super sharp at, you know, super deep depth of field. The infinity point of the iPhone is like a half inch in front of the lens. Yeah. And, um, you know, everybody's used to HDTV. And so all of a sudden you want to create a niche for yourself. It's like, oh, yeah, I know how to do shallow depth of field. Really? Oh, man. You know, we'll pay you to do that because we don't know how to do it with the cameras we have <laughs> well, in our pockets. And, and, and what's funny is that people ask me, you know, I want, to, I want a camera that takes pictures, you know, take pictures of my kids that look like yours. You know, they ask, like, I take a lot of pictures of my kids. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, so buy, you know, just buy a Rebel and get a, and get a 1.850. Like, I'm, you mm-hmm. know, not, not to have go, go crazy with money, 
But the point is, is get a fast 50, open it to 1.8, <laughs> you know, or two, two, you know, you know, like there's a range in the, uh, under 2.8 and, uh, and take pictures of your kids, you know, and, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with, a uh, you know, and, and it, it does, it makes all the difference. And it's, it's something very simple. You can leave it on auto and it's just, you're, you're going to suddenly get a lot of photos that, you know, you weren't going to get otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Only I would I would substitute a Nikon D seven thousand in there because that's uh, of course. And you know, I, <laughs> I you know my whole thing is that to, I I really tell people it doesn't matter at that at that at that beginning moment. It's just the, both Nikon and Canon I think are largely the same. Yep. I mean largely equal. So if you feel like you you want to get a Nikon, um, then get a Nikon. But the point is, is you get get one. The fifties are the cheap, the cheapest lens mm-hmm. you know to get. And so you get a 50, and you don't need to get the fastest one. I mean, the Nikon, I think, the, the, or the Canon 50 is like $100. I think you can get an Amazon for like 80 you know, for the 1.8. Yeah. And, um, and I've shot, I shot before I got faster lenses. I shot a lot of good photos on that, on that lens. You yeah. know, and, um, and so it's just really a, uh, a great, if you're looking for something to start, take family photos that look like what you see on magazines. You know, that's the, it is, the, you know, controlling that depth of field, you're absolutely right, is the, is the first key. All right, let's, uh, before we move on to some listener Q&A, let's give a nod to one of our sponsors. Alex, I believe we are sponsored by Squarespace.com. You want to take us through that? Yeah, Squarespace is awesome. Um, we, are, you know, we, uh, we use it for, uh, so if you, look, if you go to pixelcore.com, if you go to dvgarage.com, if you go to uh, Bordersack, which is my little blog, which I every once in a while <laughs> write something in, I, I keep on thinking about things. Uh, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> you need a think-to-blog plug-in for Squarespace. Well, you know, I, I, I actually Amen. have been, I've been, I've been experimenting with uh, um, using Siri on my iPhone 4S to, you know, just have her write the blogs for me. So uh, anyway... That could, um, that could be go very wrong. But. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so anyway, what Squarespace is just the, you know, the easiest way to build a high-quality blog. If you're a photographer and you've been trying to figure out uh, how to put up your gallery, how to put up you know, your blog, how to put those things together, but you don't want to know anything about CSS or, or, or HTML or, or installing something on a server or any of those kind of things. You don't have to know any of that stuff. This is all WYSI, you know, It's all WYSIWYG. Now, if you know those things, uh, you, know, you can actually inject all that code into this. So it is flexible. Um, but if you don't know those, you you have an easy UI. You can sit there and just start managing your website. It keeps track of your stats. It keeps track of all of that stuff. If you want to add something that goes to Amazon, it's just a widget you drag into it. If you want to add a gallery, you just drag the widget in. Um, you have iPhone and iPad apps that you can use to update your blog. There's hundreds of design templates. Uh, and it's, it's in the cloud. So, you know, you're not going to, you know, melt down your server if suddenly someone links to you, which is uh, part of the key. Uh, you can have Flickr photo displays. Uh, there's a Twitter widget. There's lots of those types of widgets. Um, you can handle permission access. It's just all of those things are, you know, all kind of built in there. So it's just a, it's just a great way to get set up. Anybody who asks me, like, how do I get started? I want to build a blog. I want to put up a web, basic web website. Uh, if they want to get started with it, I, I'm always like, okay, Squarespace.com is the way to go. So you don't need to you don't need to pay you don't need to put a, a credit card in. You can just go ahead and try up and you know sign up for a free account and uh, give it a shot. Now, if you decide to purchase it, make sure to use the offer code TWIP10. That's uh, uh, T W I P ten to get twenty percent off for six months. Uh, that's Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP10 to get twenty percent off for six months. Thanks. Very cool. All right. Thanks, Alex. All right. It's time for some of our magical listener Q&A. This is this segment where our guests answer questions that have come in from our audience via our various online presences. Um, Be sure to, if you want us to answer your questions live, just get in touch with us through our Facebook group, over Twitter, Google+, 
plus and use the hashtag twip questions on twitter if you want to uh want to flag us question number one he writes um and this is from carl Kochman from Springfield, Illinois, says, As a new digital photographer who spent many years in film, I'm having a hard time making the transition to digital. Any tips you can give me would be grateful. Let me throw it to Sil. Sil, what are your tips to make the, the jump from old world film into the bits and bytes of digital? Oh, man. There are so many. All right. So, um, one other thing, I mean, I, you know, I've shot film for 400 years, and, um, one of the things to realize is that you truly need to decide, again, are you a photographer or are you a retoucher? And, you know, choose to be a photographer and continue to learn the craft of digital photography. So in my case, I use Adobe Lightroom. Um, you know, Aperture does a very similar job, even Adobe Camera Raw combined with Bridge. But, you know, those controls in many ways, like in the develop module in Lightroom, in many ways are like choosing a film stock. And back in the day when I shot for catalogs, I'd use EPN, Ektachrome. It was very neutral. If you wanted saturated colors, you'd, you'd use Velvia from Fuji and so on. So you get that kind of control in the develop module. I think where guys transitioning from film to digital really begin to short circuit is that they go way too deep into Photoshop. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I jumped on Photoshop at like Photoshop 3 or 3.5. So I've been using it for 15 or so years. But the reality is... I think that's the huge disconnect. The guys shooting digital or shooting film coming over to digital just totally short circuit on, you know, layers and curves and blah, 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 blah. Man, you know, pick Aperture, pick Lightroom, stick to that develop module, um, and you'll be much better off than if you try to just jump in from digital straight into the incredible and, and diverse and deep universe of Photoshop. The other thing I'll share with you, and this, man, this took me years to sort out, when you go from film to digital, you have to realize that ISO is an equally viable way to change your exposure setting, as is shutter speed and aperture. When you were a film shooter for years, man, the only way you change your ISO is when you got to the end of the roll, or God forbid, <laughs> you've got to change film stock halfway through a roll, and you try to roll it back in the cassette and listen for the leader to not roll into the cassette. <laughs> And then you change your film stock, and then you change your ISO. You know, I'm right in the midst of this workshop this week on speed lighting, and we're coming up with all these amazing ways to use ISO as a creative tool in setting exposures. And I was like, you know, it's really amazing. I shot film forever, and I'm still having to remind myself, hey, dummy, you can change ISO instead of having to do, you know, the shutter or the aperture or the flash power. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Use that third variable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Perfect answer, Sil. Thanks for that. All right, next question up is from Chandy. Chandy says, I have a Canon 350D, and I'm about to upgrade. Do I go for the new technology on the 7D or go for the older but full frame of the 5D? I do mainly portraits and like to move into doing weddings. Martin Bailey, what do you think of that? It's uh, it's probably not the best question to throw to me because I I have no idea what the functionality of the 350D is and uh oh yeah you know, so it's it's like can I answer Sil's question please <laughs> hey Martin I'll throw, I'll throw you the bone consider would you recommend to a novice that they get the 7D or the original 5D body and then throw in why they might consider picking up a used 5D Mark II instead of the original 5D mm-hmm. 
So forget where they started. Just talk about those three cameras. Yeah, well, the I think that the, you know the most important thing there is is that you you're talking about cameras that the the seven D with the one point six times crop factor is yeah. that's uh, it it's going to give you a, a much less control over the depth of field than a full frame sensor and the five D and the five D Mark II are both full frame and so. You, you just get so much more artistic control over the over the depth of field, like Sil says. You know, it's a lot of people when they when they, especially people that are just getting started, they they love the um, you know the what the effect of having a, a very shallow depth of field. And I know that a lot of people that hire me to, I mean, I'm, although I'm predominantly a nature and wildlife photographer, I, I I've got I've got a side business doing portraiture. And um, a lot of people hire me to do that because they say that my images have got a three-dimensional look, and it, it's not three—it's not three D or anything like that. It's just that when you make a when you have a shallow depth of field, you automatically start to see things. You, you know, the image has got depth. It's got, you know, you, you, you're working with the, the Z axis as well as the X and Y, and so you generally um, people want to start to get that kind of look. And then if you jump in with something like a 7D, although it's a it's a great camera for the price, um, I think that you've you've certainly got a lot of benefit of jumping in with something like the 5D. And if an old, I mean, five, old 5Ds, they probably I, I don't know how much, but I'm sure that then they're only a few hundred dollars to pick up now. Yeah. And the 5D Mark II is still an excellent camera, but it's coming towards the the upgrade time so i am seeing deals coming out on the mark ii and you know you you've just got so much more control over the depth of field and the the, the other great thing with these cameras is that they all have the ability to drop a um a battery grip they call it yeah i, I was going to say a, a drive but uh, we don't need <laughs> yeah. them anymore. yeah that's gone um, now right <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so if you've, I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, some people have bigger hands, and I, I know that the the 7D is relatively small. It's so I always find that my little finger needs something to latch onto with those smaller cameras, and I always buy a battery grip for them as well. And that also gives you the ability to t- turn the camera up vertically and still have the the shutter button and the buttons on the back to control the camera just the same way, and it gives you a little bit more to to grab onto. If you've got larger hands, so I, I think that the, you know, the really that that would be the biggest thing for me. I'd go for a full frame over a crop factor any day. Um, the, you know, there, there is the, the the conversely, if you have, if you want to really get some some length, you know, some getting close with relatively short zooms, then the the crop factor can help. But I personally just love the the shallow depth of field that you get with the full frame. And it, you know that that would be that would be my answer. Just go for either a cheaper full frame, uh, you know, the, an old 5D like Sil says, or or maybe try and pick up a a 5D Mark II as the you know the prices drop as you know as we move towards the Mark III or whatever the success is going to be. Well, Martin, rumor has it you you'll have some extra cameras soon, right? You ordered <laughs> you ordered a whole crate full of these new ones, right? So <laughs> 1DX, yeah, that's Martin good. Bailey special. Hey, you know what? One one thing that I mean on the One DX, I Canon has added a a new button on the front. They've actually added three new buttons on the front of the camera because you you're now I think they're calling it a multifunction um yeah, multifunction button on the front of the camera above the depth of field preview. 
and so you you're able to map another button to another function to that but also now i just talked about the vertical grip we with the the one series you you can't take that off it's a square camera from the start with kind of what i like but um they've also added the a depth of field preview button and a second multifunction button for the vertical when you're holding it vertical and that was always a pain with the one series you you i could never find the the, the depth of field preview button when i was in vertical mode so that's another sort of throw you know going back to the one dx there you're you're definitely going to have to give us an in-depth review of that camera once you get one in your hands well, you know, that's one. I mean, these things drop in price pretty quickly once they've been out for a couple of months, and that's one of the reasons why I, I generally tend to get one quickly. Because al- although the majority of the the photography community say, "Oh, yeah, it's not about the gear," you know, it, it is about the gear. When when you look at blog, you know, page page views, my most popular uh, blog post to date is on the um, the the one hundred millimeter f two eight. Um, macro lens that Canon bought out a few years ago with the new hybrid IS on, yeah. and that rem- I mean it's 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 a two year old post and people still flood to that. Um, you know the second most popular one is when I threw my 5D uh, Mark II into a river without a lens on it, and <laughs> that that was brilliant. That was good. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean people people like to to lap up other people's misfortune, but. Yeah, you know, really, the, the, one of the reasons why I get a camera when it comes out is so that I can do a blog post on it as quickly as possible. Um, and if Canon would send me one, then I could do yeah, it even quicker. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we, we are at that time on the show, the pick of the week section. This is where each guest uh, gives their pick, and this can be software, hardware, gear, a workshop, whatever, as long as it is somehow tangentially related to photography. Sill, I'm going to throw it to you first. What is your right. pick of the week? Well, my friends at Westcott, who make a wide range of light modifiers, um, threw me a bone. Last week they announced um, some new softboxes in their Apollo softbox. And so as a guy who shoots a lot of small flash, I'm totally in love with the Apollos. And um, they come out with two new softboxes. The Apollo is basically uh, kind of a square softbox that opens like an umbrella. You mount the flash inside it, it fires backwards against a silver uh, foil surface, and the light jumps all around and comes out the front diffuser, and it's beautiful and it's soft, and it's relatively inexpensive. It's like 125 bucks or so. So last week they announced a couple of new additions to the line, and then they were kind enough when I emailed and said, hey, hint, hint, I've got my uh, fall advanced speed lighting workshop going on. Can you send me a couple? And so yesterday... Um, when I got home, I found the brand new Westcott Orb and the new Westcott Strip box in the Apollo line. So they still open up like umbrellas. And the students in my workshop today shot both. Um, I got to tell you, the Orb, which is an octagonal soft box, um, so it creates basically round catch lights in the eyes if you're doing up close and personal portraits. Man, it's a beautiful, beautiful soft box with just a single speed light inside. So it's absolutely my pick of the week. Um, I'm going to be doing a review. They're not even on the market. I didn't realize this. I mean, it's like the ones that I got, they're not on, you know, Amazon, B&H, Google. They're not even on the Westcott site yet. Jeez. So um, anyway, I'm taking a bunch of the student shots and I'm doing a review. And um, anyway, I think the link will be on the show notes. Um, but this is going to be a great great light modifier for somebody stepping out who's doing off-camera 
Small Flash Portraits, the Westcott Orb Softbox. Perfect. Awesome. And Mr. Alex Lindsay, what is your pick of the week? Well, we already talked about it to some degree, but I'm, the iPhone 4S is my pick for the week. It is, the I think, the pinnacle of uh, cell phone photography. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that it, it is, uh, really has turned a corner between the iPhone 4 and the, and the Galaxy 2S and so on and so forth. They've really turned a corner where it just is, it's, you really have to think hard. I mean, again, we talked about it earlier. Short depth of field is something you're getting from a professional camera. Um, but you're, you know, the walk around camera, the thing that you're going to use when you're you know, everywhere else, uh, for, those of, for the handful of people out there that don't carry an SLR with them at every moment, um, the, uh, uh, this is uh, you know, it's just an amazing, amazing camera. The, the quality of the low light performance, uh, the HDR, which actually, actually works, um, you know, all of those things are pretty amazing. So the, it's the iPhone 4S. Awesome. I would piggyback on that. This is not my pick, but I'll piggyback on that. Going to a conference this Saturday in San Francisco. It's called the 1197 Conference, and it's it's a whole conference that's specifically devoted devoted to mobile photography and iPhoneography. And it's the I think it's the very first of its kind. So check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes. And by the time if you listen to this on Friday, consider coming to it on Saturday. And if you see me, say hello. All right, the next uh, pick of the week is going to Martin. Martin, what's your pick? I'm, uh, you know, it's like the middle of the morning here. I've still got a good day's work ahead of me. So what I, I'm, for the rest of the day, I'm going to be finishing up a video that I've been working on this week that I'm going to send over to my friends Joseph Christina and Trevor Curran. And they're, they're at a, a website called digi- digitalphotographycafe.com. Mm-hmm. And what, what they're doing is that this uh, next week it's going to be um, – they're going to be at the Photo Plus Expo in New York and running live spots. They're basically going to be streaming for the whole two days of the event. And they're going to be doing lots of interviews with people, relatively short interviews with lots of different camera gear manufacturers. And in between interviews, they're going to be slotting in educational videos. And I'm creating one of those at the moment. And basically, the tip is is that you know next, next week, October 27th and 28th, you're going to be able to go to digitalphotographycafe.com slash live and watch all of that as it streams out. And the, the videos that I'm sending over as well are going to be in there. I've actually, I've, I've learned um, how to do motion graphics this week. I've spent uh, like a few hours in, in lynda.com and I've just put a really, really cool motion graphics intro for my video together. So check that out as well. It'll be in the stream at some point. Awesome. Perfect. All right, and my pick is another workshop that I'm going to next month. It is November 8th, I believe it is, in Los Angeles, put on by a photographer and a friend of TWIP. His name is Mark Don, and uh, this is a kind of a model boudoir kind of thing going on, very limited. I think there's only like 15 people that he's allowing in there, and uh, he has a couple of passes. He set aside three for just the, the TWIP audience and I asked him to discount them as I always do because I'm cheap so he's discounted them uh, 300, 300 bucks off of the, the regular price is 1450 so for if you want to go there's only three of them available so we'll put the link in the show notes click through to it if you're interested in going and um, if you go I'll see you there alright guys we are at the end of another episode of this week in photo Silarina. Where would you like the TWIP army to go to uh, to stalk you? 
Well, they can always stalk me 24-7 on speedlighting.com, spelled Cannon's Way, S-P-E-E-D-L-I-T-I-N-G.com, or on Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash my name, S-Y-L underscore A-R-E-N-A. Awesome. Perfect. And Mr. Martin. Martin, where can uh, people go to find out more about this stuff that you're working on and all that good stuff in your workshops, etc.? Uh, everything's linked from martinbaileyphotography.com uh, the, you know, I'm on Twitter as Martin Bailey no, no underscore or anything like that just one word mm-hmm. um, so you can, people can shoot me a line via Twitter or, or the contact form on my website anywhere uh, like that there's, there's pretty much links to contact forms from everything that I'm into and, and there's a lot of stuff there that I'm into so check, check that out at martinbaileyphotography.com very cool yeah there's a wealth of information there you've been doing this for quite a while so and, uh, yeah, definitely, if you go to Martin's site, be prepared to sit down with a cup of coffee and dive in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and also, Mr. Alex Lindsay, where can people go to keep up with you and your antics? Uh, you know, I'd say the best place is probably the Twitters. The Twitters. The Twitters. Yeah, I mean, you know, so you just find Alex Lindsay, all one word. And, uh, you know, I, I get into a lot of conversations. One of the things as I'm prepping for some of the shows, not this show this week, but a lot of the shows I'm starting to ask a lot of my Twitter followers or my Twitter community, uh, you know, what they think. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what, should we talk, what, what should we be talking about? Or what should I be looking for? And, and getting their feedback on stuff like iCloud or, you know, for MacBreak, which I'm on as well. And, uh, but, you know, I'm going to start doing a lot more of that. Uh, so I'd love to have, you know, if you're, if you're listening to the show, I'm going to be, when I'm on TWIP, and I think, you know, Frederick will probably be doing this to some degree too, but, yep. you know, really asking questions and uh, getting people's, um, you know, kind of uh, taking the temperature of the uh, Twitter and Facebook communities uh, via Twitter. So uh, follow me on, um, on Twitter is probably the easiest. Yeah, Alex Lindsay, all one word. Alex Lindsay, perfect. And, and I apologize just- for all the crazy posts. Because there's a lot of those in between. There's like a lot of thoughtful things and questions, and then there's uh, then there's just me complaining about whatever I complain about. <laughs> it's like a salad of comments coming from Alex. Um, okay, just a quick reminder to the audience as well. Every every month, once a month, we do a live stream of TWIP, and we're doing one at the end of this month on the 27th. So it's every Thursday, and it says 7 p.m. Pacific, right, Alex? Uh, uh, it's 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Pacific. So 6 p.m. We've got uh, we're doing a live capture of MacBreak Studio net tomorrow. Tomorrow at six. Yep. So you actually get to see what it looks like when we do that. And then next week on the 27th, uh, we'll, uh, uh, Frederick will be um, shooting a model live, photographing a model. Uh, you know, I don't want to make her nervous. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I know it was a Halloween shoot, but it didn't make we will sense. be waterboarding a model live on the street. <laughs> No, photography. Flash work, let me know. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> photography. We'll be photographing her. <laughs> when we, when we, uh, w- you know, we do something different every week, and, and uh, but I'm very excited about doing this uh, this photo shoot. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be good. And the whole the whole idea, silly, so you'll you'll get a kick out of this. Um, it's a model, makeup artist, background, one strobe, and a couple Ooh. of light modifiers, and that's it. It's a it's a true blood shoot. So we're going to make her up as a true blood sort of sexy vampire with the with the uh, fangs and all that stuff, and we're going to have at it. So we'll see how it goes. Fabulous. In front of a live studio audience. So if her fangs fall off, we're in trouble. I got a light <laughs> mod. I'll send you tomorrow. It'll be the one you need to use. Cool, perfect. Send her up. It's the Fang Omatic. Uh oh. Still, <laughs> so, it's always a pleasure. Thank All you. right. 
All right, guys. And to uh, to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can head over to thisweekinphoto.com. On that site, you'll find links to all of our online presences. And also, please support the show on iTunes by leaving us a positive comment. Um, yeah, and only positive comments. And speaking of iTunes, check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with the shows as soon as they are released. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.